Smoking and Drinking in Space is a proud member of the Earglue Media Network. His name is Adam. Can we get him a fight? I don't think he was ever a boxing robot. He's a G2. Built in early 2014, he was a sparring bot. They must have built robots like this one that could mirror the fighting style of any other robot. Okay, so can we get him a fight? Are you not listening? He's a sparring bot, right? Built to take a lot of hits, but never dishing out any real punishment. You always try to sell him off for parts. Can't you get him a fight? Oh, why can't you get him a fight? Get him a fight. God, you don't do you? You want me to put him in some bottom rung scrap fest to the death? Come on, I saw how scared you were at Crash Palace. Yeah, the places that would let you fight this robot would make you pee your little pants. Excellent. Get him a fight. <laughs> Kid. Surprise, surprise. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci fi. I'm Jason, and this week we have Joe, one of my co-hosts from Bad Gamers Anonymous and a co-host on a new podcast that releases soon. Say hi, Joe. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Yeah, we, um, I'm pretty excited to be here, man. I'm excited to have you. So uh, you've got a new podcast coming up. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So I believe launching tomorrow, as of when this drops, we'll have a new podcast on Earglue Media. And it'll be it's called The Film Appraisers. And uh, Josh and I over at Your Glue Media put this together, mostly him. He's the hard worker in the team. Uh, <laughs> and it's, um, it's a kind of a novel way of looking at movies. You know, we go through, uh, we get a guest, they bring their favorite movie, and we go through it and talk about it in a few uh, categories, how we would rate a movie. You know, we go over the narrative and the uh, technique and... Uh, music and longevity, uniqueness, you know, stuff like that. And at the end, we give it a value, sort of prices, rates, or uh, Antiques Roadshow style. And uh, it's really a lot of fun. It's uh, it's a good time, and I'm excited to see it. Oh, it the, sounds like a great wings. concept. I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. So when is that going to release? That releases on the 21st, um, so it should be Thursday of this week. Awesome. And where can people find it? You can find the film appraisers on Earglue Media at earglumedia.com uh, slash shows. And you can also find it on Twitter at FAF appraisers and on Instagram at film appraisers. And uh, we should also be in iTunes and all your various podcatchers. Oh, that sounds great. So this week we review Real Steel, the movie that Rocky Five should have been. It's got more heart, more boxing, and a hell of a lot better of a plot. It stars Hugh Jackman, Dakota Goyo, and Evangeline Lilly. 2011's Real Steel. But first, uh, we'd like to do a little news on this uh, here podcast. Do you have any news for us today, Joe? I do. I have uh, one article here. Um, It's not there's not a lot to it yet, but they did finally come out and confirm that Optimus Prime is going to be a big part of the next Bumblebee movie, which is pretty rad. He was not a big part of the last one, but what he was in there was awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen the Bumblebee movie yet. It's 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 on the list, and 
Yeah, my list just keeps getting longer and longer because my time gets, keeps getting shorter and shorter. So he was in the first one. Now, on, on this next one, he's going to be a, a more of a major player. The, is, is he still a truck? I mean, in the original. Yeah, I mean, so the, 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 in the first one, in like the cold open, um, before anything really happens, they're on Cybertron, and it is like Nostalgia City. It's all the original... Uh, Transformers in the original forms fighting on Cybertron, and you get you know you get Soundwave and Megatron and, oh. and Optimus Prime all fighting like all the right sounds, all the same voice actors and everything. It's awesome. It's like only fifteen minutes cold open, but it's like the best thing I've seen in a long time. Oh, um, that sounds amazing. That's yeah, so it's much so better good. than the the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Oh, that whole movie was so much better. That movie had heart, like it had a decent story. Everybody was good in it. Bumblebee was super awesome. Like they made him a legitimate badass in that movie. Like the whole thing, front to back. It's the best Transformers movie that, that's been out by far. All right, that's it. It's moving up on the list. Well, this week I have a couple news items. My first one is, um, so Galaxy Edge is about to open. Um, well, it may have already opened at Disneyland. It's about to open at Disney World. And one of the features of Galaxy's Edge is that you can build your own lightsaber, right? You've heard about this? I mean, the I Cantina have, yeah. cast is, is, has, uh, has covered this, and I usually don't cover Star Wars news because, yeah, there's, there's much better coverage of Star Wars news than on this show. But this one was compelling because one of the ways that you can build your lightsaber is with rancor teeth. <laughs> okay. Rancor teeth, yes. <laughs> You can include Rancor teeth in your new lightsaber building experience at Galaxy's Edge. But not this only This might be the thing that tips me off to actually go. <laughs> <laughs> you like Rancor teeth? Is that a thing? <laughs> it's just it's just weird enough for me to really feel like I should do it. Yeah. And I'll have this article and and all the articles posted up on the uh in the show notes on the website. But so there's going to be four styles of lightsaber that you can build. There's going to be the Peace and Justice, which is, uh, according to Sci-Fi, the old-school Republic-era Jedi model. Uh, there's going to be Power and Control, which puts the dark power of the Sith in your hands. There's Protection and Defense, a more folksy, myth mystical option that uses components with ancient and mysterious motifs and inscriptions, whatever that means. And then Elemental Nature, it's a nature-based option where the organic parts bin includes Brylark wood, I'm not sure what that is, Cartusian whalebone, and Rancor teeth. So you can, you can build a tree hugger lightsaber. Yeah, but you know what? I bet that tree hugger lightsaber would look pretty cool. I bet it would, It too. sounds like it would look pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think they've probably got a, a pretty good design on that, and... Um, Depending on how much the lightsabers are, I would probably be one that collects all four types. So, I think I think I heard that they were like between one and two hundred dollars, something like that. Yeah, if they're that much, I may pick my favorite one, my favorite style, and go with one. But from the sounds of them, they seem like they might be like much higher quality than your typical uh, Disney souvenir fair. So yeah. I've got um, a lightsaber that we built the last time that we were at Disney World, or no, the time before the last time, and it's uh, Darth Vader's lightsaber, and it's really cool, and it wasn't, you know, break the bank price. It wasn't like $100. I think it may be in 20 30 bucks, something like that, 
and it's pretty cool, but it's one of the collapsible ones. And from what I understand, these that they're making at Galaxy's Edge now are, are like a full-size lightsaber. They're not collapsible. So Yeah, I believe they're like the ones you would buy from a number of the uh, replica houses that have like the thread-in uh, thread blade. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure they're much higher quality and they're probably worth close to the, the $100 price. But I don't know that I could convince the wife to let me spend $400 on lightsabers. Maybe not all at once. Yeah. Make it a yearly thing. <laughs> That'd be a hard <laughs> sell. <laughs> so uh, my next news item, I don't know if you heard this, and we have we talked about this extensively on the show a while back uh, when, when it happened, but James Gunn is back on Guardians of the Galaxy. Disney has brought him back to both write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I heard about this, man, and I... I don't know what I think about this. You don't know this what you is, think. This is this is silly. Like make a decision. Well, and I think the the original decision that they made was a knee jerk reaction because it came in the wake of a bunch of other things that happened that were kind of similar in theme, and they had already kicked Roseanne off of her show for doing similar boneheaded stuff. But the thing that they kicked James Gunn off of Guardian of the Galaxies was probably not nearly as bad. I mean, it was boneheaded at the time, but he he did it to kind of be provocative and funny. It wasn't he wasn't being serious with it. Yeah, and, and it happened that, ten years ago. Yeah, and the thing the thing that bothered me about it at the time when they originally got rid of him was that all of this stuff had come to the surface, and he had already publicly apologized for it right. before they hired him the first time. Right. So right. it wasn't like it was a surprise when they found out about it and then fired him. They just didn't want to be part of the um, the ravenous, angry fan base while it was happening. Right. It, so they, they were fired saving him, face. and as soon as things calmed down, they brought him back. Yeah, they, they were saving face. And, yeah. I mean, that was that was a, a calculated business decision on their end. But I think the outcry from both the fans and the people that he worked with on Guardians of the Galaxy and the fact that he, you know, stepped back very gracefully and, and took it very well. I mean, he was he was very classy in the way that he handled the situation and just stepped back and, and didn't trash ABC like um, like some others have done whenever they got fired. I think that that helped a lot in bringing him back and and was a lot less risky for for Disney and ABC to bring him back. I wonder how much him getting offered Suicide Squad had to do with it. That probably had some to do with it too, but he is going to be able to do Suicide Squad along with Guardian of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy because his Guardians of the Galaxy contract allows him to finish Suicide Squad. So I'm looking forward to both. Me too. He might actually get a decent DC movie. <laughs> Maybe. I hope. I'm hoping. I haven't seen Shazam yet. It's it's out in theaters now, and it's on the list because it does look funny. Um, and, I, and I hope that the levity that they're bringing with Shazam kind of lightens the mood. I haven't seen Aquaman yet either because, yeah, frankly, I'm just not an Aquaman fan. But I haven't seen it either, but I have heard that it's quite a bit more light and funny than they have been. Yeah, so I think if, I think that mood shift is is maybe helping DC in their in their market share and and. Now's the time that they need to strike because Endgame's about to happen, so Marvel is going to be kind of in a in a low spot where they're going to have to rebuild the the 
overarching story arc, and now's the time that they could step in and, and give them a challenge. So, I wonder how much rebuilding the story arc is really going to be, though, because they've already set up the key players. They've already got Spider-Man and Black Panther and Captain Marvel now yeah, like, kind of set up. I think they're going to hit the ground running pretty hard. Well, they're going to hit the ground running with a with the you know second generation of characters, but that that overarching story arc of the Infinity uh, Stones from the first generation is going to be ending. So they're going to have to build right. back up that that uh, multi-movie story arc again and, and get people really interested. Because, I mean, if you remember in the original Iron Man, they kind of just kind of hinted at the in Infinity Stone uh, story. Yeah, but they were also just feeling out the MCU then. That's like, true. I don't, I don't know. So I'm curious. I mean, only time will tell, I guess. But I, I think that they could really be... Like, they may already be planting a lot more seeds than we realize because they're really good at that. Yeah. And we might we might have ab about what we need to get started at the end of Endgame. Oh, yeah. With, without a doubt, they have momentum behind them. And it's not going to take them nearly as long to get back up to the peak that they... Uh, that they got with with Endgame, but um, but they're still going to have to build that up. It's going to take several movies. It's going to take several uh, solo movies to to get the characters engaged and 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 bring them all together in a in an ensemble movie. So and assuming as everybody is assuming um, that a couple of key players will not be part of the MCU after Endgame, um, I wonder how the viewing public will handle that. If that'll take, if that'll do anything to the popularity of the, yeah, that movies. might because I mean people have their favorite characters, and if those characters are you know not involved anymore because they're either dead or they've just retired, yeah, that that may that may hurt their their audience as well. So their audience count. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, are you ready for the pod crawl? I can't wait. All right. I love the pod crawl. It's my favorite part. <laughs> let's do this. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Charlie, a down and out former boxer turned fighting robot demolition manager, heads to the San Leandro County Fair to turn another robot into scrap. Apparently having never seen a real bull before, he puts himself into deep debt by betting his underweight hunk of steel and servos can defeat 2,000 pounds of hamburger in rage. After being humiliated in front of a pretty face and while loading up his latest scrap project into his very retro 1960 International Harvester Sightliner, Charlie learns that one of his ex-girlfriends has died and his son's custody status is in limbo. The Chuckster heads to court where he proceeds to both sell off his estranged son, Max, and secure a $100,000 babysitting job at the same time. Charlie heads back to Talley's gym, a place owned by Bailey, the daughter of his former boxing manager, where he secures his new robot, Noisy Boy, and his new babysitting gig. Max insists on going with Charlie when he heads out to get Noisy Boy a fight and they soon find themselves in the robot fighting underground. Charlie secures the title card fight and then proceeds to lose horribly by trying to button mash his way through the fight. With another robot successfully scrapped, Charlie and Max head to the junkyard to find parts for another robot. After a trip down the dirtiest waterslide in the world, Max finds a sparring bot called Adam, brings it back to Talley's gym and they bring it back to life with the aid of some modern parts and Bailey's electronic engineering skills. Max convinces a dead broke Charlie to get Adam a fight and they head to a punk rock survivalist colony in Georgia where Max controls Adam to a win and 
Charlie, realizing there is more money in winning fights than selling scrap metal, helps Max move his way through the lower robot fighting circuits until they get their big break and are invited to fight in the professional robot circuit taking on Twin Cities, the robot with two brains. Max and Charlie are offered an offensively low price to buy out Adam before the match, and after spotting Twin Cities' convenient tell, Adam handily puts him on the mat. Fueled by adrenaline and a crippling Red Bull addiction, Max challenges the current title holder Zeus. Riding high on their first professional win, Charlie's bullfighting debt comes back to haunt him as both he and Max get mugged by the worst Texas accent any side of the Mississippi. Charlie realizes that robot boxing might not be the best environment for an 11-year-old boy and sends him back to his aunt and heads back to Texas. A quick hookup with Bailey and a nap convinces him he was wrong, boxing circuits are the perfect environment to raise a child and he puts even more miles on his sightliner by driving Adam to New York to grab Max and get their fight in with Zeus. A Rocky-style matchup and boxing montage ensues and Adam, against all odds, survives the match, coming close to downing the champ for good. The results go to the judges who give Zeus a narrow victory by split decision, but the damage is done, Adam is the people's champion, Charlie understands what it is to be a father and roll Timbaland give it a go credits. <laughs> so, this is the first time you've seen this movie, right? Actually... Yes, but I did. <laughs> uh, this movie was like note for note the exact same movie as Over the Top. It, yeah, there are definite similarities to Over the Top. Yeah, so Over the Top for those who who don't know is basically a that was Sylvester Stallone, right? Yeah, Sylvester Stallone plays a trucker slash arm wrestling uh, champion. And it's it's basically him and his estranged son going around and arm wrestling people. Yeah, he's driving he's driving his son back to see his mother before she dies and arm wrestling his way across the country while they're bonding and mending their father son relationship. Yeah. Kind yeah, of the same thing as this. It's pretty much the same <laughs> thing. It's a it's a father son bonding uh movie. And yeah, they're they're traveling across the country and doing weird manly stuff to bond as father and son you're yeah you're right that is pretty much the same movie <laughs> only i think i like this one much much better oh uh, yeah well the kid is just slightly less annoying in this movie than he was in over the top yeah and the and uh, this one doesn't have sylvester stallone it's got huge oh, so i think i think stallone was fine in that movie uh, is stallone <laughs> ever fine in any movie he gets that lip curl going and then he's all set <laughs> Yeah, but you never can understand him. It's like, a boat. You just got to learn to speak Stallone, that's all. <laughs> so, uh, did you like this movie, though? I mean, you, I did. I liked, it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie, and I thought it was really, really well done. Um, I mean, the, the story is tight. It's, it's got some moments where it, it runs into cliche. So, it's definitely got the, the child as parent trope going through it um it's definitely um kind of a redemption story a, a shitty father uh comes back and realizes you know what it what it means to be a parent kind of of storyline but i thought it was really well done i thought uh i thought the character progression for for charlie uh was believable i mean he started out as you know just an absolute garbage human and you know, through some some very tense times uh, when he when he had to save Max from falling over the cliff that that first time, and then um, bonding with him on the on the 
robot boxing circuit. I think uh, I think their their experience, their shared experience together, was was believable. I felt like the kid flipped too quickly. Like he shows up on his doorstep and pretty much hates him. And like four minutes later, looking at articles of his dad boxing, and he's like really excited that Evangeline Lily's going to give him the article. Like, why would this kid give a shit about his dad's old boxing articles if he was this absentee? awful father but well uh, i mean so that that goes to um he he never really had a a father figure and this is just my conjecture uh he never really had a father figure so yeah he was standoffish but he was already into boxing um we we established that through his his knowledge of the robot boxing uh circuit and Realizing that his his father was an actual boxer, I think, kind of elevated his father in his eyes. And while he was, you know, maybe standoffish and and thought he hated him, I think he really wanted to secure a relationship with him. And that was probably at, at a time in his life where um, he he hadn't totally written off his father yet. So I mean, eleven is a is a pretty impressionable time in any child's life. Yeah, I I get it. I just think I just think it was I don't think that um Hugh Jackman had a chance to earn it, right? I feel like they they gave it to him a little too soon. Like that that scene should have been like a half an hour deeper or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it it did move pretty quick. You're right. And I thought that I thought that him forming that relationship with the robot um really quickly kind of reinforced kind of the um, abandonment issues that that he had been suffering um, because, you know, befriending a robot, you know the robot's not going to abandon you because it's a robot. Now, one of the things that did kind of irk me was they kind of hinted towards, you know, the robot having some sort of self-awareness, but they never followed through with that. Yeah, they even do the mirror test later in the movie. Right. And he and he passes the mirror test. Right. Like he looks at himself and notices the badge on his chest is different and like tilts his head. Yeah. But but like that was kind of as much of that as we got. Yeah, they never followed through with that. So I thought that was I thought that was a miss on this movie's part. What they didn't they didn't follow through with the self awareness. No, that that's definitely a miss. That could have been way better. I think that would have been a cool twist to this. Yeah. Um what else do you like about the story? I start, So I also thought they hinted pretty heavily around um, the, they talked a whole bunch about uh, Zeus being able to rewrite his code on the fly and, and uh, learn while he was fighting and sort of be autonomous. Right. Right. And then they hinted all this stuff where the, the, the owners wanted to buy, Zeus wanted to buy Adam and they kept, they kept hinting. Like I thought maybe they were going to say that like, Adam was a um, a precursor to Zeus, like it was something that they were like using as a test platform, and then got rid of. Oh, like it, because they kept like that that like back and forth. They kept po- pointing out Zeus's abilities on that level, mm-hmm. and then kind of hinting at the self awareness on Adam. I thought that's where we were going, but it it never went there. So I, I don't know. But the <laughs> movie, <laughs> I really thought I really thought I had a thing going, but. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I liked the, uh, I liked that this movie was almost, uh, like the first half was pretty hard on over the top and the second, like the ending with the, the big main fight was so much like Rocky six yeah. where when he like 
when old Rocky goes back and fights the the young kid, <laughs> yeah, and like he just keeps getting knocked down, but just makes it all the way to the end. Like, like, it just kind of felt like that, but it was good. Like I I laughed. I really enjoyed the movie the whole time through. Um, the the I laughed almost every time they had a radio announcer either on the radio or at the uh, stadium um, talking about the fights because they were so bad. Like, they were, like yeah. spelling words out and like way over the top <laughs> radio jockeys. Like, yep. uh, but it was good. I I I thought that was like a funny, like a totally uh, intentional riff. Um, uh, I'm a sucker for montages, and they made sure to put a couple in here. Oh yeah. Uh, the dan- that dance-off training montage was hilarious. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I thought, yeah, so, um, and we can step into, you know, some of the, the production design and, and things. Uh, they had both CGI robots and practical robots, physical robots, that they built for this movie. So any scene where a robot's just kind of sitting and, and turning heads or, or moving very minimally... That was an actual physical robot that the actors were interacting with. Um, anything where they were kind of walking or moving or fighting uh, was uh, CGI, but it was mocap CGI, which was, I mean, mocap hadn't been around that long in, in 2011. Um, but it was mocap CGI, and they had actual boxers doing the motion capture, and all of the boxers were under uh, the the direction of Sugar Ray Leonard. So. The boxing is very, very accurate in this movie, and I really, I really liked that aspect. I mean, it looked good. Now, Hugh yeah, Jackman, Hugh Jackman's boxing was a little sloppy. He was, he was uh, trained a little bit by Sugar Ray Leonard, but yeah, he was, he was still a little bit sloppy. But um, the actual robot boxing looked really, really good. You'd have thought they'd have put a little more effort into his boxing. There was a couple of. I'm not even really a boxing fan, and there was a couple of times that I noticed some, some slop in his, his. Uh, form but yeah and and really you see it towards the end in that in that last big fight um where he's he's really taking it to zeus where he's dropping his 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 shoulder for um and and rearing back for uh his uppercuts and his uh his crosses uh instead of going straight yeah it's it i mean i think i think part of it's kind of theatrics he's he's over exaggerating because he's an actor and, and and it looks good but yeah i thought the uh Speaking of like the design, I think all the robots looked pretty cool in their own little way. Oh yeah. Except for for Twin Cities, looked like a <laughs> shitty Megablocks version of one of those other robots. <laughs> yeah, Twin Cities did look awful. I mean, it, it, it's it, like the dumbest looking thing. <laughs> when it came out and when it came out in the dark arena and then lit up like two skyscrapers, right. I laughed out loud. I was like, this shit is in the is off of the bargain aisle at Walmart. <laughs> Well, I mean, so they were robot creators. They weren't designers. I mean, it was he was in the professional circuit, so apparently something that they were doing was working. But well, the rest of them looked cool. Yeah, the rest of them did look cool, and and the designers did that intentionally. They they kind of you know gave all the robots their very unique look, and 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 through that look gave them personalities, and including Adam. Uh, they made Adam a lot simpler to kind of show him as as the everyman. He was he's basically the Rocky in this movie, and man, right. he and took he's a like, pounding like Rocky. Yeah, and he's like all solid panels because he's a <laughs> sparring bot, so right. he can take a pounding. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean the the production design on this movie was was top notch. I really liked the juxtaposition of the the simple kind of. Um, 
not primitive, but the the simple non-technological scenes, especially in the Midwest when they were going up and down the Midwest, the, the simple farms with the uh, high-tech machinery and and the robots, that juxtaposition looked really good. Um, so th- I think the director said, or the, the writer said that this movie took place in 2020 because um, he didn't want it to be too futuristic. And that was that was one of the production choices that they made was was to to kind of show that, yes, the the world is, is more technologically advanced, but there's still kind of these these more uh, more humble technological uh, features still out there. So, yeah. And they they, you know, they mentioned that uh, Hugh Jackman's fighting career was in like 07. Right. You know, so like it feels but it does. It looks really good. Like I was I was genuinely impressed. I wanted to see this movie when it came out, but I never got around to it. But I did always have this kind of impression in my head that it was kind of a like low budget kind of fly by night movie. Like it came and went. I didn't really hear much about it. Like it just it didn't jump out at me as like I have to go see it. I was really impressed going back to it at how well it held up and how good like how good the CGI was oh, yeah. for you know like everything the the set design the 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 robot design everything I think it was like a lot a lot better than I thought it was going to be yeah no this was anything but a low budget movie this budget this movie had a budget of 110 million and almost tripled it in the box office and made 299 million so it was it was definitely a financial success it wasn't low budget I mean it had Hugh Jackman and this was kind of at his uh, his height in the the X Men franchise, he was he was definitely known as Wolverine at the time. Um, I think he commanded like a nine million dollar salary is is what I read. So um, so they still had a lot of money to put put into to special effects and and set design, and I think it shows. I mean, even today, and I watched it on high def. Uh, it looks really good. There were only a few places, and you could kind of. You could kind of uh, write this off to, you know, where you saw it, but the the when they were looking up at the screen in Detroit before they went in, um, so that he could try and secure a partner, and that's when they first uh, introduced Zeus. Uh, you see Zeus fighting another robot, and that kind of looked pretty, you know, yeah, video game very, CGI. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that that scene stood out to me, uh, and the scene when they get um. Uh, and now I'm drawing a blank. The second robot there. What was that thing called? Uh, uh, Midas. No. Uh, when they first get that robot, though. Oh, noise. Oh, noisy boy. Noisy boy. Thank you. When they get noisy boy and they unbox him, like the lighting is screwy in that scene. It like as he comes out, like when they show him, they cut to him and the shadow is going one way, and they cut away and cut back, and the shadow is going another way, and they cut to him and then go back or cut away and go back, and then it's lit like straight on. Like it was like it looked weird. It looked like they were, <laughs> like they were having issues with with that scene, uh, but and he and when, um, during that, coming out of the box there, he looked a little, uh, flat to me, like, video gamey. But once he was out of the box and that part was over, like he looked great. Yeah. Like there was just a couple of scenes where they had like. I don't know why those scenes were so bad compared to the rest, but for yeah. the most part, it was really, really good. It may have just been a bad comp, or or they were having that may have been a scene that they shot several different times in some like natural light, and they had to match the shot. I don't know. 
I don't, I don't remember. I don't, yeah, I didn't notice the shadow thing there, but yeah, I do remember him looking kind of flat whenever he came out of the box. And then later on in the gym, he, he looked a lot, he looked a lot better. He looked a, a lot like he had more depth, I guess. Yeah. So the music in this movie, I thought they hit it out of the park, both with the soundtrack and the music that they, that they brought in, as well as the score which the score was done by the legendary Danny Elfman. That guy, I don't think I've, I've ever heard a bad score from him. Um, but the, the bands that they brought in for, for some of the flavor music on the soundtrack was really good as well. I mean, they've got bands like, you know, the Beastie Boys, Foo Fighters is in here, Eminem, The Prodigy. Uh, Timbaland has basically the, the title track. Uh, Limp Biscuits is in here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a stacked soundtrack. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. I There was a couple of uh, scenes that really stood out that I thought were really awesome. I'm just glad that I chose this movie and not Albert because he'd be going on and on about Oingo Boingo as soon as you mentioned Danny Elfman. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't let him do that. <laughs> it's Oingo Boingo. We don't want to talk about Oingo Boingo. I had to mention it for him because I feel like he would be upset if somebody didn't. <laughs> I love Albert, but I don't love Oingo Boingo. So no, nobody does but Albert. <laughs> but no, I, th- um, I thought the I thought the music was fantastic. It really elevated the film. Um, they 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 hit all of the all the spots where you would expect some hard thumping music with uh, with some great metal and and hip hop tracks. Um, Danny Elfman's uh, score in the in the background was was phenomenal. Uh, you definitely yeah, it did a really good job capturing emotion. Yeah, and in it, the scenes it needed to, it definitely set mood really well. So uh, the the music was was out of this world. And of course, I love Danny Elfman because he did the the Simpsons theme. So oh, I thought you were going to say you loved him because he was in Wingo Wingo. Um, no, 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 I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that, Joe. <laughs> you don't know me, Joe. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> um, what else you got? For music or just in general? Just in general. What'd you think um, about the movie in general? I thought it was really good. I uh, I did a little looking around. I saw a couple of neat trivia things. Uh, most of the biggest one I thought was cool was that they named Zeus as a nod to the Rocky movies. Uh, right. Out of, you know, Apollo. Um, and... They took a couple of cues right from Rocky for for the movie, uh, which I thought was cool. I kind of like it when when movies do subtle homage like that intentionally. Um, and yeah, you know, I was I liked a lot about this movie. It was um, it was way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Even like even the kids' acting was a little better than I thought it was going to be. Although he was like, especially <laughs> when he got on the mic to challenge Zeus. I kind of wanted to fast forward through him talking. But. <laughs> he was enthusiastic and, and high on Red Bull. That that kid drank more Red Bull and Dr. <laughs> Pepper than I think any human being imaginable could actually do. I think I could outdo him. Mm, I'm mostly I don't know. caffeine. I don't the other know. thing I noticed that I thought was really funny, I don't know if you noticed that the refs were wearing like umpire pads. Well, I mean, if you're dealing with thousand pound robots in a ring, I mean... Yeah, okay. I would be wearing one of those thousand pound robots. Too. If one of those thousand pound robots fell on you or hit you, those ref pad, those umpire pads wouldn't do shit. I don't know. They I would do anything. <laughs> I would want something at least. I mean, there might be a chance it might save me. 
if I was going to be wearing protection for that job, I'd be wearing something a hell of a lot stronger than some <laughs> thick cotton, dude. <laughs> oh, I loved it whenever he was coming into the ring uh, to fight Zeus and they were doing their dance. And I was thinking about the ringside aisle audience. And if they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, especially whenever he was waving his arms to the sides, uh, they were dead. I mean, that would have yeah. clipped them right in the head, that big-ass steel hand. I mean, they would just be dead. I, th I had the same thought when, um, when Hugh Jackman was uh, training him, and he was standing like four feet in front of him, punching <laughs> each other. And a couple of times, uh, Adam's fist came like a couple of inches from his head. I was like, I would be standing like three feet back, three feet further back. Why are you so close? He can see from a ways back. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking? Oh. Um, one of the things that I did not like um, was that they kept introducing Adam as um, second. He kept coming into the ring second. Um, as the challenger, which is not how it's done. Typically, the challenger comes into the ring first, and then uh, uh, the the person or the the fighter being challenged is is you know the main fighter, so they get to enter the ring last and 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 have their kudos. So that was one of the things that that annoyed me. Although they did it in proper order whenever Zeus came in, so that right. was yeah, I was just that was say, Zeus came out right, and and I liked Zeus's entrance where he just torched half the audience. With those <laughs> right. flame spires that were like right. right on right on the seats. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Because I've been to concerts, you know, close to the stage where they have flame like that, and you can feel the heat coming off on yeah, it. Yeah, you can feel like bit. fifteen feet away, and those, yeah. they were lighting those things off like three inches from the people yeah. sitting in the audience. <laughs> and half the people left for third degree burns. Right, and then on we went. <laughs> I thought um I thought Anthony Mackie was pretty cool in this too. Anthony and Mackie is cool in anything I've seen him in. I haven't yeah, seen him in a bad is. movie. And this is like he was like I like when I see him kind of pre Marvely when he wasn't all Marvel jacked. Like everybody who gets a Marvel movie just becomes like big and bulky. Oh I know. And he and he, and he was like like it took me a second to recognize him when I first saw him. Like he was a little dude. Well, so there were several people in this movie that ended up in Marvel movies. So you have uh, you have Hugh Jackman, of course. He was Logan. Um, Evangeline, uh, uh, Evangeline Lilly uh, was Wasp. Yep. Kevin Durand, who has the worst Texas accent ever, uh, he was the Blob <laughs> in uh, in one of the Wolverine movies. Um, and then you, you of course, uh, have Anthony Mackie, who was um, Falcon. Uh, yeah, Falcon in in the Marvel movies. So, yeah, I feel like like this is becoming a thing just for like every movie now because there are so many Marvel movies and so many Marvel characters, just kind of consuming all of of Hollywood. Well, I mean, the, yeah, they're so prolific now, and they've got so many top rank actors that do other stuff so it's it's kind of hard to not have an actor that hasn't been in a marvel movie now yeah it's tough i feel like at least it's hard to have a movie that doesn't have a marvel character in it somewhere you know it's like um I mean, we have three big marvel movies coming out within six months of each other total this yeah. year yeah that's like, true they're just packed they're just packing them in yeah because it's um it's captain marvel 
It's Endgame, and then uh, Spider-Man comes out later this year, right? Yep. Yeah, Far From Home. Yep. And that one looks really good. I saw the it trailer whenever good. I saw Captain Marvel, which is also an excellent movie. Go see it. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. Um, Let's see what else I've got in my notes here. Oh, <laughs> so uh, very, very early in the movie, um, when he's when he's woken up by that phone call and pulls that that cell phone out of his boot, <laughs> I thought instantly of Toy Story and Woody going, "There's a phone in my boot." <laughs> <laughs> See that that scene immediately reminded me of uh, of Lethal Weapon with Mel Gibson in his trailer, just like fumbling yeah. around for stuff in the morning. Yep, yep. Drinking the dregs of, of last night's beer as breakfast. Yeah. Blah. I yeah, didn't I'll even do that whenever that. I was always drunk. So, No, that, that takes a special kind of drinking. Yeah, that's that's ugh, gross. Um, yeah. So fighting a bull, I wouldn't even fight a bull with a robot. I've been around bulls. They're really, really big, really, really muscular, really, really mean, mean creatures. Well, he had that fight until he started showboating and not watching what he was doing. Yeah, that's true. But which I, is like a whole new, which I thought was was like a whole new level of animal cruelty. Let's build machines to beat the shit out of these things because we can't do it with our capes and swords anymore. True, like, true. How how awful can we get? Yeah, yeah, no, it, that's that's absolutely accurate. But still, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't catch me in there for sure. Yeah, bulls are just they're they're bastards, is what they are. And I really, really felt for Max at the beginning of this movie because nobody in his life was worth a shit. I mean, Charlie, of course, you know, abandoned him as a as a baby. Um, his aunt was kind of a privileged douche um who who basically <laughs> I loved her line my husband's wealthy so we should get the child um like like that's how it works and then of course his his uncle you know sold him or basically bought him uh from from Charlie so yeah he, yeah, he basically uncle, uncle paid to to not have to take him before their trip to Italy right right <laughs> yeah and and to secure the 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 adoption, so yeah, it was it was all around. There were trash human beings at the beginning, but uh, we get the we get the redemption story in Charlie at the end, and and the the bonding and what it's what it's like to be a parent. And it it, yeah, it that, actually that. it actually worked out well. I, I didn't I didn't think they dropped the ball on that. Um, they probably went a little too far on on being, you know, douche people at the beginning, but it didn't it didn't really overshadow the end of the movie. So it was still believable. Yeah, the redemption thing was competently done, but it was very much very much in line with the trope and super predictable. You know, it was like right. it was what it was. You right. Know? But it was it was well done. And the rest of the story, I think, more than made up for that part of it being pretty by the books. All right. Well, um, you have anything else before we get into awards? No, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So who's got your Black Lung Award this week? Uh, for my Black Lung, I picked uh, the first two robots that Hugh Jackman had because both of them <laughs> smoked pretty heavily out of their neck holes. <laughs> yeah, they did. 
So my black lung award is is similar to yours, but mine's actually going to go to Adam because that beating that he took from Zeus at the end, he was smoking all over and still. Oh yeah, he was, and still managed to to still go toe to toe with Zeus. So that's that's definitely the epitome of 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 a true smoker, somebody who can just smoke and still function. Um, Adam's getting my, my black lung. So my head lush award is going to go to none other than Charlie for his, uh, breakfast beer. Um, that dude is, is definitely a, a hardcore beer drinker drinking the dregs from, from last night's beer. That's just still absolutely gross and awful. Don't do it. And also don't do a revenge of the nerds thing where you pour beer into your cereal. That's gross too. <laughs> Not that I would know from experience. <laughs> oh, Sure. who's got your head lush uh mine is the same i feel like that's an obvious choice for this one he's the only one who was drinking swill out of the bottom of a bottle first thing in the morning right (laughs) (laughs) and uh who's got your player award uh i went with charlie again as well for uh for landing of angela lily and also continuously playing his kid yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So I went uh I went the flip side of that coin. I went with Evangeline Lilly. Um because uh, she was given Charlie, you know, the the googly eyes the entire movie. So um you could definitely tell that she uh she pined for Charlie and and uh eventually eventually got him with uh the kind of standoffish I'm I'm sick of you you need to you need to go you need to stop taking advantage of me so uh she she landed the guy that she longed after by finally putting her foot down and and uh saying enough is enough I'm not going to I'm not going to keep letting you mooch off of me in the in the hopes that you realize that you know we're we're good together so she's got my player and for my purple hippo I think I'm going to give this to Max for his uh, caffeine-fueled insanity. That guy drank more Red Bull and uh, probably was on a super caffeine bender for 90% of the movie. So uh, he gets my Purple Hippo. What about you? So I'm going to go ahead and assume that uh, Adam is somewhat self-aware because he passed the the mirror test. I'm going to give it to him for the part of the Zeus fight when they disabled his uh um voice commands and he got all disoriented and was all confused and the camera basically just did spins for a few minutes and i got <laughs> nauseous <laughs> yeah that was a good one <laughs> that was a good one all right any final thoughts this movie's pretty good, man. I was I'm glad we picked it. I'm glad I was on that list, dude. I'm glad you picked it because yeah, I'd seen it before. My kids and I have watched it several times. I think I I'm pretty sure I took my kids to the movies to go see this too. Um and yeah, it's it's an enjoyable movie. I really like it. I've seen it several times. I was glad to see it again. It's still new and refreshing and, and entertaining. So you can't say that about a lot of movies that you've seen before. Um, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for picking this one out. It wasn't a dud. It's definitely worth watching. So, uh, yeah. again, one more time, uh, where are we going to be able to find, um, film appraisers? So film appraisers will be available on the Irglue Media website at irglumediacom slash shows, as well as on your various podcatchers. And it will be on, is already on Twitter at F appraisers and on Instagram at film appraisers. 
And you can catch out, uh, you can catch all sorts of other shows at eargluemedia.com. Uh, shows such as this one, Bad Gamers Anonymous, Simply Stogies, The Cantina Cast, The Basement, and Many Faces of the Masters of the Universe. I think that's it, right, Joe? That is it for now. <laughs> for now. And then soon to come, film appraisers. Well, thank you, Joe, so much for guest hosting this week. Uh, I really appreciate it. I was so glad you said yes whenever I asked you to be on. So, Did I really appreciate you asking me? It was a lot of fun. It was fun to podcast with you without arguing, which is all we do on That Game is Anonymous. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I really appreciate it, dude. I'd love to be back sometime. So We're going to have you back, I promise. And that's it for this week's show. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Our pod crawl music is Snack Fix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback on our Discord channel at eargluemedia.com forward slash Discord, at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at status underscore podcast, or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. And this goes without saying, but the poorly thought out and sometimes questionable opinions expressed on this show are ours and might not be shared by Eargloo Media or really anyone else for that matter. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jason. I'm Joe. And we'll talk to you next week. Uh, it stars. Oh my God, I almost said Logan. <laughs> 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 I mean, it stars basically. Wolverine, the Wasp, and a guy that looks like Anakin from the Phantom Menace. <laughs> uh, that seems accurate. I think you are right on with that. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs>